fruitful in bearing children. Ultimately, God sustains them. But at the end of chapter 30 in verse 29, we find that this young man is being blessed by God in his work. He's being blessed by God in all that he puts his hand to. We pick up the reading in verse number 29, and the Bible says this, And he, that's Jacob, said unto him, that's Laban, Thou knowest how I have served thee, and how thy cattle was with me. For it was little which thou hadst before I came, and it is now increased unto a multitude. It's, it, it's beyond being able to be counted, he says. Notice the next line, though. The next statement that, God, or that, that Jacob makes. And the Lord hath blessed thee since what? My coming. In other words, his work was blessed by God and it benefited everyone. He goes on speaking, if thou wilt do this thing for me, I will again feed and keep thy flock. I will pass through all thy flock today, removing from thence all the speckled spotted cattle and all the brown cattle among the sheep and the spotted and speckled among the goats, and, at, and of such shall be my hire. In other words, he says uh, to his father-in-law, this is what I want to do. It, it is interesting, he says in the beginning of it, Jacob said, thou shalt not give me anything. He said, I'm not looking for a free gift here. I'll work for my keep. The Lord has blessed thee since my coming. I will work for what is going to be rightfully mine. Here's all I want you to do for me. Go today and tell me which one I can have, the spotted, the speckled, or the ring straight. Whatever it is, you give to me. Then he finishes by saying this, and this ought to be the statement of every Bible-believing Christian as they put their hand to the work and what God has called them to. So shall my righteousness answer for me. What do people know about your Christian faith? What do they know about your God because of your work ethic? Jacob, the one who was a deceiving supplanter, says, My righteousness... My righteousness shall answer for me in time to come. What a truth. How refreshing, by the way, it would be to hear that from every Christian worker. That they would say to their boss tomorrow, I'm not asking for a free ride. My hard work, my Christian ethics, my salvation on display, my work in habits, they will answer for me. I don't need you to give me anything. I'll work for it. Oh, what a blessing. You know how, how much America would change if people came to work with that mindset? If we Christians went to work with that mindset? He was a hard-working man. The second thing that we find in God's blessing His work is that He was an honest workman. That's the petition He makes to Laban. Laban takes him up on it. And every single time He thinks that Jacob has gone too far or he's increasing too much. He changes the rules of the game at the end of chapter 30 and the beginning of chapter 31. This might be the biggest change in the life of Jacob that we're studying. Jacob as a man used to be a deceiver. Now he's just honest. He's telling things honestly to all men. Look in chapter 31 and pick up the reading in verse 3. In verses 1 and 2, the Lord comes to Jacob, but the Bible says in verse 3, And the Lord said unto Jacob, Return unto the land of thy fathers, and to thy kindred, and I will be with thee. And Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah to the field and unto his flock, and said unto them, I see your father's countenance, that it is not toward me as before. But the God of my father 
hath been with me. And you know that with all my power, I have served your father. In other words, I've done everything right by him. I've been honest. And your father hath deceived me. I wonder how much those words settled in the heart of the old deceiver who's now been changed. He's changed my wages ten times. The wages of sin are hard. (laughs) They're death. But God suffered him not to hurt me. It didn't bother me because I knew who was blessing me. It was God. His faith is in God. If he said thus, the speckled should be my wages, then all the cattle bear speckled. And if he said thus, the ringstrake be thy hire, then bear all the cattle ringstrake. Thus, God hath taken away the cattle of your father and given them to me. And it came to pass at the time that the cattle conceived that I lifted up my eyes and saw in a dream of a hold a ram which leaped upon the cattle were ringstrakes speckled and grizzled. It's interesting that a ram was dancing in his dream or bouncing in his dream from each of them as God led him. The dream and the vision in the Old Testament was as real to them and as, as verifiable as the word of God is to us. And God was saying, this is the next blessing. This is the next blessing. This is the next blessing. And every time God would give him a dream of what the next blessing was, Laban would come and say, all right, this time you're getting ring straight. You're getting grizzled. By the way, I've never figured out what a grizzled cow is. I've had a grilled cow, but I've never had a grizzled cow or seen one. But the point of it is, whatever that grizzled cow was, that's what God said would be his and be blessed in it. And that's what came about. God's blessing was upon him. For his honesty. It's interesting, he goes on in verses 11, 12, and 13 and tells his wife, tells his family as they're gathered there. The angel of God spake unto me in a dream, saying, Jacob, and I said, Here am I. And he said, Lift up now thine eyes and see all the rams which leap upon the cattle are ring straight, speckled, and grizzled. For I have seen all that Laban doeth unto thee. I am the God of Bethel, where thou anointest the pillar. Here it is, he's driving back to why he's blessing him because of saving faith. Where thou vowedst to vow unto me, now arise, get thee out from this land, and return to the land of thy kindred. Interestingly enough, the honesty in his work and the blessing of his work, because of his integrity now, leads letter B to God blessing Jacob's witness and testimony. Keep reading in verse 14, where we are here in Genesis 31. And Rachel and Leah answered and said unto him, Is there yet any portion or inheritance for us in our father's house? Why would we trust him? He's a deceiver. Are we not counted of him as strangers? For he hath sold us and hath quite devoured also our money. Everything that was supposed to be ours, he's used up. Why? Because God's blessing and favor was upon Jacob, not on Laban anymore. For all the riches which God hath taken from our father, that is ours and our children's, now then whatsoever God hath said unto thee, do. They take him at his word. By the way, there's no greater truth in the life of a believer that when through consistent living and testimony, through the blessings of God in their life, through their work and their diligent effort to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, that people can look at their life and say, yes, there is witness and testimony of a change. That's what we find in this passage. His wives believe him. Oh, we could read and find that they don't wholly believe him. For when they leave, poor Rachel steals some of the false gods and buries them under her treasures. But they take him at his word because they recognize that Jacob is a changed man after these two decades in, with Laban. 
He has a bold witness. God's favor empowers our testimony. If your testimony is, I did this or I did that, then it's going to fail. That's what his testimony was before he met God. But the testimony now of Jacob is, look, God did this and God did this and God did this. That's a testimony that can be bold and have impact. The blessing of his witness was not just with his family, but it was also in his own flesh. Keep going in chapter 32. Take your Bibles and turn over there. In chapter 32 and verse 24, we come to the passage that we read again, the last message on Jacob about his fight in the flesh, where he wrestled with God. And the Bible there says Jacob was left alone in verse 24. And there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, so when the man did not prevail against Jacob, the man touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, that man said, let me go for the day breaketh. And he, Jacob said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. He desired more and more and more of God's blessing. That's a sign of growing faith from saved, saving faith. He said unto him, Why is, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. I often liken this passage of Scripture to when the Christians in Antioch were first called Christians because of their prevailing over men with the power of God. Their testimony. Jacob's faith gave witness to encountering God. Jacob was different, not just because of the limp that was now in his physical body, but because he met God face to face and God has cri had crippled his flesh. Until the end of his life, as we read in our opening text this morning, he would lean on that staff. Why? Because his flesh had been weakened. May I say to you, God's sovereign favor is in the life of one whose flesh is weak. Oh, don't strengthen your flesh this morning. Weaken it. You can answer it, brother. You want me to answer it? That's a good one. That's not the worst ringtone I've ever heard in church. From this point forward in Jacob's life, he could testify that he met God face to face. Why? He had definitive proof. He could literally point to his hip and say, do you know how this happened? It happened because I wrestled with God. By the way, it's a good thing to grapple with God. That's the word wrestle there literally means to grapple with your hands. Put your arms around God. Do you know how you do that? It's in this book. You put your arms around God by getting into this book. When we wrestle with God over the things that trouble us, He cares about our needs. He's aware intimately of what our longings are. He is acutely aware of the faith that we have towards him. Jacob is wrestling with God over his return to the place of blessing, but he knew what waited for him there was Esau. Sometimes we hear someone quote Philippians 4.13. Usually it's in the context of sports, right? Right? The football player puts P-H-I-L, and on this eye black, 4 colon 13. Can I tell you that has no application to your athletic endeavors? In fact, if you want to 
study it very carefully, it comes within the context of Paul saying to the Philippian believers, if you give your all to God, if you sacrifice for, for, to God as I, Paul, have, then there's fruit that abounds to your account. There's God's blessing and favor that will come upon you. Man, Phil, it's a good one. You don't have to turn it off, do you? I'm with you, brother. I hear you. Somebody's calling. It's okay. God bless him. We'll get our attention back here. We'll bring it in. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. That's exactly what Jacob needed to know. He was crippled. He was leaning upon a staff. Every part of his life, every part of who he was, was a reminder that there was no strength in himself. It was only defeat. When you walk in your flesh, friend, understand you're walking literally as a cripple. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ. There's a principle of saving faith. There is, secondly, the product of sovereign favor. But finally, there is the practice of sanctifying faith. Jacob, at this point, has become an honest, hard worker with a confident witness of his relationship and fellowship with God. God's divine blessings are upon him, but now he must practice his faith. By the way, you do too. You don't get to get saved and then just say, well, I'm mailing it in. Wouldn't you like to do that sometimes? No, now you need to practice your faith. Practice makes perfect after all. God's divine blessings are upon him, but now... He's got to put to use that which God has given to him. He has met God face to face. He has seen God high and lifted up. But now it has to become a daily reality for him to live. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ, that is the truth for us. Jacob's faith was changing him. And we're going to study that as we continue in chapter 33 moving forward. We find letter A that it resets relationships. Look in chapter 33 and verse 1 through verse 4. The Bible says, and the story, by the, way, by the way, is here of returning to Esau. When he ran from Esau, he had stolen, in Esau's words, the birthright. But now Jacob is returning to Esau in the power of God with God's benefits. Here's what the Bible says. And Jacob lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, Esau came, and with him 400 men. Uh-oh. Right? Uh-oh. What would you do? I mean, if you read chapter 32, you would see that he had sent ahead, before he spent time with God, he sent ahead a massive offering. I mean, it was a big offering. Trying to convince Esau that it was okay to receive him back into the promised land. But now the real time comes. In light of the music we've heard this morning, the standoff was here. It was. Now we find the pecking order, by the way. What does it say he does next? And he divided the children unto Leah and unto Rachel and unto the two handmaidens. And he put the handmaidens and their children foremost. How would you like to be those boys? Wait, what? We're up front. I mean, if he's killing anybody, he's killing us first. The Bible says, and Leah and her children after, and Rachel and Joseph hindermost. And he passed over before them and bowed himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. 
know, the Bible number of seven is important. It means completion. We find that he is coming to Esau in the favor and power of Almighty God, but not in a haughty spirit. He's coming to Esau graciously. That's how we approach people. I mean, when the relationship was departed from, there was all kinds of fighting going on. But we read in this passage that he, Jacob, passed over before them and all the way to those 400 men and Esau sitting lightly upon his horse. He's bowing and he's bowing and he's bowing and he's bowing seven times so that Esau could see it. And the result is found in verse 4. And Esau ran to meet him and he cut him in half. What's it say? Embraced him. I mean, that's not the Esau I remember. Well, God must have done something in Esau's heart. I don't read that anywhere in the Bible. I read that faith in God, saving faith in God, with God's sovereign favor resting upon him, now is being practiced. He's giving and giving and giving. The grace that God showed him, he's showing grace to others. By the way, when you show grace to others, you will have great impact on them. When you march into someone's life with your finger pointing at them, telling them just how wrong they are, you will find a hard company to keep. They're going to leave. You want to have an embrace, you want to make an impact, in other words, then demonstrate humility and grace towards them. Jacob successfully returns to the promised land by God's grace and in God's grace. That was the key phrase in the passage. Esau was able to see the change that had taken place in Jacob's life. He could see God's blessing and favor. He could see that Jacob, even on the run, clearly was the owner of the birthright, for God had blessed him abundantly. That was obvious to Esau. If you will live a gracious, kind, gentle, and good life, you too can affect those around you with your faith in God. There's one final point that must be made as we close down this morning, especially as it comes to Jacob's sanctifying faith, that it's still a work in progress. You know, the problem for most Christians is they think that, well, if I do one or two really good things for the Lord, I've made it. I've arrived. And the answer is it's got to be one after the other after the other. Letter B, it requires responses. It's multiple. We don't end with a gracious hug with Esau and everything's hunky-dory in the promised land. He doesn't go to Succoth and set up camp. No, he goes and chapter 34 happens. It's one of the saddest chapters in all the Bible. Dinah, the daughter of Leah, is taken advantage of. She's defiled, the Bible says. She's attacked. Jacob demonstrates that if we are not faithful in following God, then sin will manifest and failures will come. The practice of sanctifying faith takes one decision after another. You don't get a day off. I wish you did, but you don't. We can see his failure in its full picture in verse number 5. Look what it says in 34 and verse 5. And Jacob heard that he, that is Shechem, had defiled Dinah his daughter. Now his sons were with the cattle in the field. And Jacob did what? Held his peace. Until they were come. Now, by the way, we don't read anymore else in the passage that Jacob says anything to his sons to do or not do anything. 
But friend, a father's role is to protect his daughter, protect all of his children, but especially his, his daughter. Jacob's lapse into his old ways here. He holds his peace. If you were to keep reading in verse number six, it literally says he sits down and communes with Hamor and Shechem while they try to give a dowry to him for the daughter that they just defiled. It's a wicked story. It should have been treated immediately with a sword. We find Jacob seemingly paralyzed by what to do. Rather than act in faith, he freezes in fear. His sons in chapter 34 choose to act and they hold true to family form. In verse number 13, it tells us that they convinced them to really marry their sister. They needed to get circumcised. And on the second day of the aches and the pains of that process, they go in and they gut them all. They kill them all. But verse 13 says they answered deceitfully. True to family form. They lied. The end result of the story is that Jacob's sons, who were old enough to fight, killed Shechem and his family. The saddest commentary comes down in verses 30 and 31, where it says this, And Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, Ye, ye have troubled me to make me stink among the inhabitants of the land. There's the failure. Who caused the problem? Shechem did. All Jacob had to do was stand up and say to Hamor, He dies right now. That was the prescription, by the way, of God. And by the way, Hamor, me and my boys are going to take you out. If they had done it in an honest way, not a deceitful way, then God would would not have honored them, but he would have noted that Jacob acted, but he didn't act. He says to his boys, you're the problem. By the way, when we as Christians make poor choices in our faith, we start blaming other Christians for stuff. I'm not saying the boys were innocent. They really were acting deceitfully and were pretty cutthroat, really ruthless. He said, I being few in number, they shall gather themselves together against me and slay me. Here's that fear coming back in. He's not operating in faith. And I shall be destroyed and I in my house. And they said, here's what the boy said to their dad. Should he deal with our sister as with an harlot? He doesn't even care about her. This is a messed up home. And it just came on the heels of victory. By the way, that's often how it happens in our lives. That's why every response is important. An indecision and a lack of faith from Jacob, a failure in our sanctification made for a terrible situation. Faith means that we must act when action is required. Dinah had been attacked. The right faith answer from Jacob was to respond, not to hold his peace and commune with those who had done wrong. His sons knew this, but they saw their father's weakness. Oh, parents, how critical it is for you to live a faithful life before the eyes of your children. I do wish we could be perfect in our sanctification, but God records this story so that he can tell us what comes next in chapter 35. This is where we close. Turn there. In chapter 35 and verse 2, God has come to him in verse 1 and said, Arise, go to Bethel, dwell there, make an altar unto the God that appeared there. And then the Bible says, here is Jacob's response to God's call to return once again. Then Jacob said unto his household, And to all that were with him, put away the strange gods that are among you. Be clean. Change your garments. Let us arise and go up to Bethel, and I will make there an altar unto God, who answered me in the day of my distress, and was with me in the way which I went. Notice verse 4. He's Because of his faith and because of his consistency, even with the one mistake, when he repents and returns, notice that the family responds this way in verse number four. And they gave unto Jacob all their strange gods. 
which were in their hand and all their earrings, which were in their ears. And Jacob hid them or buried them, it says, under the oak, which was by Shechem. Christian, if you have failed in your life of faith, put away those fleshly mistakes. Move back to the place where you met God at the cross of Jesus Christ. In closing this morning, Jacob's faith is what enabled his walk with God. Jacob's saving faith in principle was no different than our saving faith in principle. He trusted God and was transformed through God's grace. You too can trust God in God's plan of salvation and be transformed by His grace. Jacob's faith brought God's favor in both his work and his witness. Those same blessings are yours if you will but trust Him. Jacob's sanctifying faith reset his relationship with Esau. Oh, it didn't always stay great. And the Edomites ultimately hated the Israelites. But at least in that moment when he expressed the grace of God to another individual whom he had a poor relationship with, the relationship at that moment was reset. That's what God's grace can do. And every action, every choice and decision requires a response. Whether we do things right or whether we do things wrong, if they are wrong, then we must return to God just as Jacob did. It is Jacob's faith that we study this morning. I ask you in prayer as we close to consider your faith. Do you need to understand saving faith? Do you need to rest in God's sovereign favor? Or do you need to come back again and trust in and practice the sanctifying faith of Almighty God? Father, help us, I pray this morning.